Thank you for tuning in to a Budapest Beacon podcast. I'm Ben Novak. Joining me in the studio today, Miss Marta Pardovi. She is the co-chair of the Hungarian Helsinki Committee, an advocacy group here in Hungary. Marta, thank you much for coming on. Thank you. So the government has authored its Stop Soros bill. What is it we need to know about this bill? We've actually rebranded this, and we're calling it Starve and Strangle Bill, rather. The Starve and Strangle Bill. The reason why we decided to not call it the the name that the government has branded it is because that's actually not what it's about. We think it's about starving and strangling independent, critical civil society in Hungary. Why is it in the government's interest to to silence organizations like yours? Because you guys are obviously targeted by this. Yeah, we are a human rights organization, not doing anything much different than any other human rights organization in Europe. And still, we see how the work that we do and the work that many other civil society organizations are carrying out for 20, 25 years has come under increasing pressure. So the reason, I think, behind the government's intentions to stigmatize and intimidate and eventually maybe, yes, starve and strangle civil society organizations like the Hungarian Helsinki Committee is to do away with the groups that raise issues, problems with human rights, governance, and democracy, rule of law in Hungary. The attacks on these NGOs started not this year, but rather in late 2013. This is something that we've been witnessing, actually, um, that we've been subjected to for many, many years. And this comes in the bigger um, concern over the dismantling of a constitutional framework in Hungary that would safeguard human rights and democracy and de- democratic values. So this is absolutely a symptom of a much larger issue. That much larger problem is how we have a government in Hungary that is blatantly dismantling protection, human rights protection in Hungary. And of course, those who raise their voice, who advocate for human rights protection, tend to be human rights groups, human rights NGOs. So it's quite obvious and quite logical that the government, in a process like this, would start to focus on the people and the organizations that do very, um, I think, highly professional, genuine, committed work on human rights issues. So give our audience some background on the Hungarian Helsinki Committee. Uh, How is it that you guys became targeted by this government? The Hungarian Helsinki Committee, it was founded in 1989, and we started doing legal assistance to asylum seekers in the mid-90s when it was still the Balkan Wars and the refugees were coming from neighboring countries to Hungary. This work is something that we have been consistent in carrying out and and working on for, you could say, about 20 years now, a little over 20 years. The methods that we use is, I think, fairly straightforward. We tell people when it comes to our refugee protection work, we tell people about the legal situation they are in, what is going to happen to them as asylum applicants, what their prospects are when they are recognized as refugees in Hungary. And we try to assist them through a very difficult, very complicated labyrinthic process. This has not changed much over the years since the mid-90s. Obviously, the legal framework has become even more complicated since Hungary is a member of the European Union. There's all sorts of EU laws also that apply. So people really need to be explained what is going to be happening to them. 
we have been um, counseling, giving free legal counseling and lawyers to many thousands of asylum seekers and refugees over these years. But all of a sudden, this became a highly politicized topic in the early days of 2015. Before that, I don't think a lot of people paid attention to refugees and asylum issues in Hungary, apart from those who were directly concerned with this. It was more of a, you know, sort of an expert debate among asylum lawyers. All of a sudden, the Hungarian government turned its political attention to asylum. And given our work, we have, yes, become absolutely the focus of, of that attention ourselves, too. We are very convinced that people who seek asylum, who are fleeing wars and torture, do have a right to apply for asylum in Hungary. And those who are um, in need of protection should be getting it. Everybody has a right to seek asylum. This is what we're talking about. Um, this is what we were talking about in the mid-90s and also in 2015 and 2018. But yes, given how the Orban government has decided to place this at their as their number one political agenda item, and particularly this year now that the elections are so close, this is basically the only issue that the government talks about, we find ourselves in an extremely difficult place where it's not only our work on asylum, but our work as human rights defenders that is coming under increasing attack. But this isn't the first time Fidesz has stepped up against Hungarian NGOs. Is this part of a broader trend of attacks against NGOs in this country? So in 2017, Hungary became quite notorious for introducing a law on what is called the transparency of foreign-funded organizations, which, we've been, which we have been calling as the anti-NGO legislation. This is something that exists in countries that are not in the European Union and have very authoritarian regimes, such as Russia or Azerbaijan or Turkey, just to be looking at the sort of regional vicinity of Hungary, where human rights organizations or civil society organizations that rely on foreign funding, given the lack of adequate domestic funding available, are uh, now branded as working against what is said to be against the national interest, against the government's intentions. And therefore, they have, in these countries, many NGOs have been facing um, very intense, very aggressive crackdowns. In 2017, the Hungarian government decided to copy this and introduce a law that would stigmatize um, these organizations that rely on foreign funding. So how does this package of bills that was submitted by the government to parliament last week play into this broader strategy of attacks against civil society? On the 13th of February, the Hungarian government submitted a package of bills to parliament that are um, actually a package of three bills. And the first one would require any organization, any civil society organization that is registered in Hungary and works on anything vaguely connected to migration and asylum to apply for a license with the Minister of Interior. So this is actually quite um, contrary to the normal concept of a civil society where you would have normally groups, people, individuals coming together and doing as they please as long as they're within the bounds of law. The government shouldn't be really interfering. Rather, it should be helping these NGOs because they work on very important social causes. Now, 
For those NGOs that decide to work on refugee assistance, the Minister of Interior will be issuing a license. And how will he decide which organization should be allowed to operate in this field? There's going to be a check by the tax authority and also a national security screening. The national security services will be looking at the work of these NGOs. This is the idea behind the bill. And if there is a national security risk identified, the minister will not be giving out a license. For those NGOs which do get the license, if they have any foreign funding, 25% of that foreign funding will be taxed. So they will have to pay one-fourth of all their foreign revenues into the national budget. And if an organization does not register or does not apply for a license at the minister or um, doesn't pay the tax, there will be a set of quite serious sanctions which eventually can lead to the organization being dissolved by the courts. Now, this is also coupled with a third measure, a third bill, which would envision individuals being banned from certain areas of the country, an eight-kilometer-wide strip uh, zone near the borders, where these individuals who the Minister of Interior thinks are uh, pose a risk to national security would be physically banned from approaching that area. So this, this new package says that migration work is exclusively a national security issue. Any organization, any NGO that wants to carry that out needs to be permitted to do so. And even individuals who are involved in assisting refugees are a national security risk, and they can be banned from going near the border, even Hungarian citizens and also foreigners. So this is exclusively framing migration as a national security issue. And of course, this fits very much in the way the Orban government has decided to speak about refugees. As a human rights defender and a lawyer, is there still a rule of law in Hungary? There are still courts, domestic courts, where the Hungarian Helsinki Committee as a as a human rights defender organization is able to take cases and to provide effective legal assistance to our, our clients who tend to be human rights violation victims. So what we see is a process where access to courts is being limited. What we see also is how there are trends, maybe less evident than in Poland, where judicial independence is being tampered with. These are extremely worrying trends. And of course, it does affect how rule of law can be respected and how it works in Hungary. So, you know, for many um, of the asylum cases where the Hungarian Helsinki Committee is providing free lawyers to asylum seekers, we've been able to um, help our clients and help them to receive actually protection status from the Hungarian Immigration Office through the courts. That's why we provide legal assistance, because we think that there are legal avenues and people should be able to effectively challenge decisions that impact them adversely. This is, this is very essential in a constitutional democracy that you would have the trust, the confidence in the court system, and we still do. But one does see how this is becoming now 
um, in, uh, also very much in the focus of political attacks. Also, a lot of media articles in the government-aligned press are talking about how judges in the court system, the whole judiciary, is being captured, infiltrated almost, they say, well, yeah, by then, human rights NGOs who would do training for judges about EU law or a very technical issue. I'm going to stop you right there because just last week, uh, Justice Ministry Undersecretary Paul Wölner uh, said that NGOs are trying to transform Hungarian law in the courts by disconnecting it from Hungary's legal traditions. He actually went on to conflate the internal turmoil in the courts with the government's anti-Soros, anti-NGO propaganda. But what really caught my attention was that he dropped some lines that, at least to me, seem to suggest that the government is again planning something for the courts. Do you think his statements were an ominous warning of what's to come? I think it gives out a very strong signal to to um, not only individual judges, but the whole justice system, that working with civil society organizations on improving the quality of jurisprudence in Hungary is something that, that the government does not like. So we have, since last year's law on uh, the, NG, the anti-NGO law, we have, and some other human rights groups have been seeing um, uh, trends where judicial organizations are more and more reluctant to take part on trainings that would, for example, uh, focus on how European Union legislation should be understood and implemented, where NGOs who have expertise in a, in a legal issue have more and more difficulty in engaging Uh, judges to take part in joint discussions or training. So certainly statements from senior government officials like that of, of State Secretary Wollner from the Justice Ministry send out a clear signal that you as an organization better stay away from these NGOs. You should not um, rely on their ex expertise. You shouldn't take advantage of the free training opportunities that are usually, of course, offered in the framework of EU-funded projects. Because if you do, we will, we the government, will perceive this as some unwanted interference in the administration of justice in Hungary. I think this is a ludicrous idea when the EU gives funding to improve how EU law is working across all the member states. And this is being branded as some sort of political influence, infiltration almost from... How long have you been with the Helsinki Committee? Over 20 years now, actually. So over over your career, um, over the course of your career with the Hungarian Helsinki Committee, have you ever encountered, was there ever another period where uh, your organization became the target of, you know, very intense government propaganda? No. You know, when we write about Hungary, when we write about what's happening to civil society, it's very difficult for us to convey, um, you know, what it feels like on the street for people working at these organizations. And the reason I bring this up is because uh, many of the people who read our website and who listen to our podcast, they have jobs as well. They work, you know, they, they go to a job, they have colleagues they work with. And I think something that a lot of people can identify with is what morale looks like inside an organization when you're under a microscope, when you're being targeted. You know, do these campaigns affect morale at the office? Certainly the, this very nasty campaign that the, that the government has been waging, first as a, in the media and now with the last year's law and actually legal measures against NGOs do have an impact. The impact is primarily through... Um, very 
nasty reporting in the government-aligned media, which then, of course, filters down to the readers, the audiences. And so we have been, yes, getting a lot of very unwanted attention in that media and also getting a lot of very nasty messages on our Facebook page, uh, via email, via phone calls. We see how that occasionally spikes and then drops. So maybe there is some you know, concerted action behind that. But certainly there's been a very increasingly um, consistent stream of, of hate messaging. This, of course, and I think it's important to note, this has not culminated in any, any sort of physical security worries or, or assaults. This is still hungry. <laughs> and we, we like to think that people are not prone to that kind of aggressive action against one another. This is something new. So this is something that you would attribute to the propaganda that you've seen over the past few years? It's Absolutely. Not so, so you didn't have this any time before. As I said, asylum was never in the forefront. You know, it was never front page news in Hungary for a very, very long time. So people would not necessarily be bothered with it. People are normally, you know, they're concerned with issues about health care, education, pensions, your salary, um, your job uh, security, issues that, of course, every single one of us would be um, normally concerned with. What we've been seeing is how the government propaganda machinery has been manipulating, or at least trying to manipulate people's minds when it comes to refugees and migration, that has, I have to say, been quite effective uh, in in really boosting xenophobia in Hungary. So when you have an organization, a human rights NGO, that features in the media a lot because of the refugee work that we do as a result of the of this huge government propaganda campaign against refugees, then yes, we have had to, you know, start experiencing this. This has become a you could say a part of our daily lives that we're receiving this these kinds of messages. It impacts staff at the Helsinki Committee and elsewhere too. But of course it impacts on many many other people too who who are absolutely outraged by this government funded, fueled xenophobia, this propaganda campaign against Hungarian civil society organizations. But yes, the impact is is felt. We are dealing with that, you know, as as with any sort of good employer, you have to take care of your staff. You have to have all sorts of measures in place so that people would be happy to go to work in the morning. This, in this particular context that we're working on, includes some stuff that normally a human rights NGO wouldn't uh, be concerned with in a, an EU member state. So it goes beyond, you know, the the something that we've always had to deal with, burnout and secondary traumatization. If you work with refugees and if you listen to their stories, and sometimes you have to be- break really bad news to them when an application is not successful, then you as a, as a lawyer or a social worker have to also be mindful of the fact that this will impact on you. So this, this is quite a standard procedure for anybody working with refugees or, or people in difficult situations that you have to also have support measures for staff, work with them, um, make sure that 
if there is any psychological issue that is being addressed through help from mental health care professionals. What we're seeing now, though, is beyond this. So we really have to um, sometimes address the anxieties that come with this threat to civil society in Hungary. And I think that goes much beyond what the just the 30-plus staff of the Hungarian Helsinki Committee. Of course, there's a number of organizations, and we don't want to frame this discussion as though it's only you guys. Very quickly, let me ask, are you satisfied with the EU's response to what's going on in Hungary? Yes and no. Uh, And that answer is different um, depending on what year you're asking it. If you were asking this in early 2015, I would have given you a different answer, I think. And it's an evolving... um, process for the EU institutions to face the challenge of not only civil society, but the rule of law, how that is being in under attack in Hungary and also nowadays in Poland, but also in many other places. So what we've experienced as a, as a civil society organization in Hungary from the EU institutions was, for quite a while, it was a delayed response. I think it was just um, a lack of of recognition that this is, in fact, a real serious situation. Once that recognition set in, the EU did start, particularly the European Commission, but also the European Parliament, to address this. The European Commission, of course, was already last year super fast in its response to the 2017 anti-NGO law. It came out with, um, with launching an infringement procedure within days after that legislation was adopted by the Hungarian parliament and little over a half a year has passed since then, we see now the European Commission launching a lawsuit at the European Court of Justice against Hungary because of this anti-NGO law. So that is quite fast. Will that be sufficient in its response? Will that be, you know, is that kind of action adequate? No. So that's why I Because think- time flies. And uh, in, in the case of this particular law, if this were to pass, this new Stop Soros bill or the, the Strangle and Suffocate bill, um, you know, if this were to pass in Hungary, okay, so the European Commission launches an infringement proceeding or they, they take this to the Court of Justice. In the meantime, you're kind of stuck here. Yeah. Trying to operate in an environment where you're legally either not allowed to or you're being subject to, you know, undue Restrictions. One of the sort of headlines or the, the headline issues here is that legal tools on their own are not enough. This is not only a legal question when it comes to Hungarian civil society or how Hungary is, the government is taking steps to dismantle the rule of law. So legal steps on their own, no matter how fast that response would come, would never be able to really remedy this. You need the much Um, higher level, you could say, political responses too, from not only the European Parliament, not only the European uh, um, Commission, but also from the European Council and its members, the member states themselves. Governments in Europe need to finally speak out and make it clear that they're worried and they're doing the best they can, as fast as they can, to make sure that this, this... this um, illness doesn't spread across the EU. It doesn't really infect the European Union as a, as a community, a community of values. Okay, final question. 
The Prime Minister's son-in-law is in hot water over reports that Olaf, the European Commission's anti-fraud agency, has taken issue with some improprieties it found in a number of EU-funded public procurements his company was awarded in recent years. Olaf went so far as to suggest to the Hungarian government that it found some criminal skullduggery um, when it investigated these contracts. Now, if the Prime Minister's son-in-law gets into legal trouble, can he count on the Hungarian Helsinki Committee to represent him? Yes, we do provide legal assistance to Hungarian citizens, and many times that concerns criminal procedures, particularly what we focus on on is pretrial detention, the way pretrial detention is ordered or the conditions in which pretrial detainees are kept in Hungarian prisons. So normally we would not help somebody in their, you know, the, the sort of the, the normal criminal procedure. But if it would come to the point that he would be put in jail, pretrial detention, and those conditions would be as they are in Hungarian prison, sadly, yes, of course, we would assist him with those detention condition issues. Marta, thank you very much for coming by. Um, and do keep us informed as to what you guys are up to. And I'm sure our, our audience is also very interested in seeing how you guys move forward. Thank you. 